Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you here this morning. And for those joining us online, a special welcome to you. Now, in a few moments, we're going to conclude our series, Ready, Set, Grow, Practices to Help You Flourish with God. And we're going to look at a seventh and final rhythm, the rhythm of sharing your story. You know, God has blessed us, each one of us, with stories. And he wants us to share those with those around us, to encourage those around us. And so we're going to finish our series here in just a minute. Now, I want to preview for a bit our next series, which starts a week from today. And this series, which starts next Sunday, will take us all the way to the end of this calendar year. And the title of this new series is called Boundless, a study of God's Word. Now, I'm excited for this next series, and, and let me say, it's going to be somewhat of a, uh, a unique, different type of series that you might be, you, know, you might not necessarily be as familiar with hearing it on a Sunday morning, but uh, this is going to be an exciting series because we're going to look specifically at what it means to study God's Word in the way that He intended it to be looked at and applied to our lives, and for the next several weeks, we're going to actually look at the various genres of the different books of the Bible. Because knowing the genres of the books of the Bible and knowing the history and the intent of the authors will help us better know how to apply God's Word to our lives. And so I'm looking forward to this next series. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a fun, special series. And the one thing we don't want it to be is purely this academic exercise, okay? So I don't want you to just walk out here thinking, oh, I've just gained all this head knowledge. I have a headache now, okay? And so we want to do our best to, to find a good balance between teaching you all the necessary uh, tools that'll help you better apply this living word into your life. So that's starting next Sunday, boundless, a study of God's word. Now, before we conclude our series today, I want you to look at this baptism tank up here. Every time we have this tank on the stage, it's an extra special day for us. Here at our church, we love baptisms. And we love it when we see people of the family of God be baptized. And today, you can be baptized. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've not yet demonstrated that through the outward expression of baptism, today could be the day for you to be baptized in front of your church family. And if you say, well, Tim, I didn't come prepared, that's okay. We always share here that we are prepared for you. We have a towel for you. We have a baptism shirt in the foyer that you can put on to be baptized and take home to keep forever and ever. We even have a plastic covering for your car seat so you can keep your car seat nice and dry. We have everything you need to be baptized. And so my hope is that for those who have not yet been baptized, and if you have a faith in Jesus Christ, be prayerful about today being that day for you to demonstrate outwardly your inward commitment to Christ. I'll talk more about that later on in our service. For now, I'm going to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and we're going to look at verse 28. As you make your way there to Romans 8, 28, I want to give you the title of today's talk. The title of today's talk is Trusting God to Write your story. Trusting God to write your story. Every one of us has a story. And for the follower of Jesus Christ, we know this much. We know that we are not the authors of our own stories. We know that God is the one who is writing our stories. And that's why it's a beautiful story. It's not always an easy story, right? It's not always a peaceful story. But if God is writing our stories, then we can have confidence that there is a beautiful purpose for those stories. And so Romans 8, verse 28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. There's a lot that we don't know about life. 
We don't know why some suffer and others don't. We don't know why sickness comes upon some and not on others. We just don't have all the answers. But as Christ followers, we worship a God who is in control of all things, even if we don't know the answers to life's questions. And so I want to focus in specifically on two words in Romans 8, 28. It's the words, all things. When Paul wrote the words, all things, we can know that he meant everything. All things work together. Not only certain things in life. All things work together for good for those who love God. That includes the good and the bad. That includes the joys and the sorrows. That includes health. And it also includes sickness. In other words, there are no exceptions. We all have stories to share. My wife Joanne has a story that I want you to hear about this morning. And and I trust that you'll be encouraged by the story that God has been writing in Joanne's life. Uh, This coming November, we're going to celebrate our 23rd uh, wedding anniversary. Okay? Thank you. Uh, For most of these 23 years, uh, Joanne has suffered, and she's suffered greatly. For the better part, of our entire marriage, she's endured and suffered. And yet she has a story that I'd like for you to hear, a story of hope and courage and and one of trust and faith and prayer. And I'm looking forward to hearing her story. I trust that you are. So as Joanne comes up here, would you join me in welcoming Joanne to the stage? Good morning. (laughs) I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to share my journey with you. And I'm so thankful for the texts that I received this week, um, letting me know that you are praying for me um, this morning. Yesterday, I got a text from both our kids about five minutes apart, letting me know that they wished that they were here with me and that they were praying for my words. I hope that as I share my story, the handprint of God is seen in every detail. My deep and personal relationship with Him developed more in these trials, and I grew to learn how much I need to read His Word and pray about everything. I thank God for watching over me, protecting me, and guiding me, and showing me in tangible ways His goodness and faithfulness. Romans 12.12 has meant a lot to me. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Looking back at the hardships I faced, I went from seeing only what was happening to seeing that God was in the midst of it all, and there was a purpose behind it. It was a place of trust as I waited and rested in Him. And I also learned that the will of God for us in all circumstances is to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. As far as I can remember, I don't recall ever missing school or even being sick growing up, but that was about to change. When Tim and I got married, we had a guest list of over 700 people, and it was stressful to say the least. I got tonsillitis the week before our wedding, and I lost so much weight that my um, wedding dress was too big, but it was too late for it to be altered. After we were married, while Tim was serving as the lead pastor, we were at a retreat, and the both of us heard the call to plant a church. 
After we prayed about it, we made the decision to plant, and shortly after that, we found out that we were pregnant with Andrew. I was scheduled to give birth to Andrew on one of the hottest summer days in June. So many people told me to go in the pool and enjoy the weightlessness. So I may have gotten carried away, and I was doing somersaults, and um, that night I had an earache. So I must have gotten water in my ears, and I put an ice pack on my face. The fan was on, the windows were open, and I fell asleep. The next morning as I tried to get ready, I wasn't able to put on my lipstick, and I couldn't fully smile. I also didn't realize that my water broke because I guess in the movies it's a little bit more dramatic. So we went to the hospital, and I was told that I had Bell's palsy, which is uh, facial paralysis, but it was on one half of my face, so it looked like I was punched in the face and um, I couldn't smile. The doctor told me it would take six months to recover. Um, and so my mom called a um, Christian acupuncturist and before he started, he prayed that God would guide his hands and that he would, um, God would use his hands to bring me healing. And instead of six months, um, it took three weeks for my smile to return. And that was the beginning of this health journey I was about to be going on. One that was filled with prayer and one seeking God as the healer and the one who sees everything. In 2001, the three of us were on a family vacation and I could see in pictures that I was visibly gaining weight. Something was wrong. In three weeks, I gained 18 pounds of water. My feet were so swollen, they looked like they were gonna pop, and I couldn't even bend my knees. I went to the ER, and after um, blood work and tests, I was referred to a nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor. I then had a kidney biopsy, um, one of four, the second one being because they didn't get enough tissue sample. And sometimes it's good not to read too much because I read that there is a popping sound when the piece is removed through your back. But as my results came back, I was diagnosed with mild mesangial glomerulonephritis and later with IgM nephropathy and a minimal change disease. It is an autoimmune disease where your body thinks something is going wrong and my immune system happened to attack my kidney filters. The kidney filters are like little straws that um, filter things like your protein. So when you spill protein, you retain water. I likened my filters um, to being like boba straws. And because my filters were inflamed, the boba or the protein would go through and then I would retain water. The steroids help the filters to be the size they're supposed to be. It's a rare disease. It's more prominent in children, in male children, and at that time that I did the research, one in 100,000. And I was a branch of a branch of a branch. Over the course of my disease, not one of my kidney doctors was treating anyone with my specific kidney disease, and so there was going to be a lot of trial and error. My disease was idiopathic, meaning there was no cause and there was no cure. So basically, we were just treating the symptoms to keep them under control. I remember being in my kidney doctor's office, and he told me I was going to be on prednisone. My doctor told me that he had a patient who had been on it for 16 years at that time, and I thought, oh, wow, that's long, but that's not going to be me. Little did I know that I was going to be on it much longer than I ever could have imagined. Prednisone is a very powerful drug that can help you and harm you. It was going to help me now, but down the line could eventually damage the kidneys it was trying to help. So when I got home to process what I had been told, I laid on the bed and I just started praying. And as I was praying, I didn't ask why, because to me, asking why was like asking why not someone else. But as I prayed, I thanked God that it was not my son or anyone in my family. And as I continued to pray, I had this very strong sense of peace that I was not going to die from this disease. I knew on this side of heaven, 
we are prone to death, illness, and disease, but I believe that, the one, that one day I would be healed. It was a hope and a peace that God planted in me at that moment, hope that was the size of a mustard seed, and I could not let go of that hope even if I tried. I didn't quite understand the severity of my kidney disease or how quickly it could spiral out of control. I didn't know what was going to come with an overactive and then suppressed immune system. So when my health issues began, no one could tell me, nor did I have any idea what I'd be heading into and what it would be like for many years. I began taking prednisone, and once it started to take effect, the inflammation would get under control. I gained 18 pounds in three weeks, and with the diuretics, I lost 21 pounds in one week. I lost more than I gained, and I was very emaciated. It was the beginning of many weeks, months, and years of extreme fluctuations in weight. Sometimes I would lose three pounds of water in less than one hour. It was always a balancing act to know how much and how often. One may joke that they want the pill, but the side effects from losing that much fluid that rapidly caused ringing in my ears and the most debilitating spasms. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden my calves locked, my heart would start racing and I would wake up Tim to help me through it. Or I'd fall because suddenly my back seized. To counter the loss of depletion of vitamins and minerals, I would have to take potassium supplements. My life became one where I was taking medications to control symptoms and taking other medications to counter the side effects of the other medications. At times, I was taking two powerhouse drugs just to work alongside the other. The plan when I relapsed would be to put me on a high dose of prednisone to get the symptoms under control, and then it would be tapered down slowly until I was off of it. The problem for me was that I was dependent on prednisone every single day, and I was not able to get off of it. At this point, with Bell's palsy, my diagnosis, and, a, and planning a church, many people said that this was spiritual warfare and that my life was like that of Job's. I don't think I truly knew what that meant at the time, but I did know that it wasn't going to make me stray from him and that I would cling to him all the more. I tried to understand the disease as best as I could, and I tried to see if there was any family history, but we couldn't find any. One day in high school, my dad turned pale, and I had to call 911. I remember my little brother telling me to not cry and to be strong when we saw my dad in the hospital. As my dad reached out his hand um, to me, the tears streamed down my face, and I prayed to God, and I said, I am young and strong. Please heal my dad and put on me whatever he has because I am, I am healthy. I remember being doubled over in pain with severe stomach pains that I never experienced before. And then all of a sudden it made sense to me because my dad's kidney stones passed. And I thanked God for putting it on me. Although I don't know if that's how God allowed it to happen in my journey, it was my sincere prayer. And just like I didn't know if his pain was placed on me, I would also never know what triggered a relapse. Was it stress, physical exertion, something I ate, something I did, did I sin? I remember someone telling me to ask for forgiveness when I was diagnosed. I did ask for forgiveness, and I did wonder if it was something I did. But Tim always comforted me that God didn't work that way in terms of punishment. There were so many setbacks with so many relapses and allergic reactions to so many prescriptions that many asked if I could get a kidney transplant. My understanding is that my immune system would still attack another kidney. And praise God, my kidneys functioned well the whole time. Although I didn't ask God why, I did ask God when, and I asked him that every couple of years. But it was a good thing I didn't know when or what was ahead. 
I remember hearing a message on Psalm 119.105 that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And the message was about how God doesn't give us the light of a lighthouse, but a lamp just to see the next step. So many times I wanted an immediate answer to my prayers, and I wanted to know what was going to happen. What I have come to learn is that in his grace and mercy, God gives us just enough light to see the way to go and as much as we need to know for the day, for the day. and his mercies are new every morning. And most importantly, I learned that I need to know what he says in the Bible every day. There was so much that was unknown that I could gain a better understanding of God and what he wanted from me and for me. Once a relapse was triggered, it was rapid. Sometimes I'd wake up and fluid filled the surrounding tissues in my head and you could actually squish the top of my head. I would see foam in my urine and I would rapidly gain weight from the fluid retention. Then I would go to the lab and if it was a really bad relapse, they'd go as high as 60, then drop me down to 50, 40, 30, then down by fives, twos, and ones. It could take a year and a half to go from 60 to get under 20, but I could never get below 20, or I'd relapse and the cycle would happen all over again. And because my body was dependent on prednisone, it knew when even one milligram was missing. It was tough to gain water retention, then lose the water, but then gain weight because of the steroids and to wait as it tapered down. Sometimes all I could fit into were maternity pants and I wasn't pregnant. My weight was changing so much, I didn't know if what I bought was going to be worn again because I didn't know if I would be that same size the next season. There were many times that because of how I looked and the painful experiences, I didn't feel like going to something. It was a constant battle to not care about the outer appearance. But Tim always encouraged me to go and told me it would be more of an encouragement if I went than if I didn't. And so he taught me to push beyond myself and what I felt like and to go and bless and encourage others. And it was always a blessing for me. And in the end, I was always glad that I went. On a high dose of steroids, I felt like I could do anything. But on, on the flip side, when I was being tapered down, I would shut down too. The steroids affect the adrenal glands, which is your fight or flight mode. So I had medically induced highs and lows. And it didn't help when four people, four different people at different times of my disease told me to my face that I gained so much weight. I would say, oh, I have a kidney disease and I'm on prednisone, but that didn't matter. Uh, I had no control over my weight and I already couldn't stand having to gain weight. But I had to put Philippians 4, 8 into practice and focus on what is true and focus on what is praiseworthy. I kept coming back to the truth that this is temporal and that I can be thankful for so many other things. This was a distraction in my life that took my focus off of him. I had to train myself to keep my focus on him and redirect my gaze back to him. Honestly, I was very and bitter for many years and it took me a long time to forgive them. But the truth was that they said what they saw. It hurt badly, but I forgave them. I often felt that the pain from words was far greater than the disease, than the physical pain I went through with my disease. Words are powerful. So much so that I remember reading Psalm 6 and begging God to have mercy on me, that my soul was in deep anguish and to deliver me. Through the tears and pain, I continued to ask, how long, Lord, how much longer? How much more can I endure? And then I would read, my grace is sufficient for you. And deep in my heart, I knew that it was sufficient and that I could endure more with him. With the fluctuations physically and chemically, it caused a roller coaster of emotions. At one point, Tim and I started recognizing a pattern. And as I prayed, the Holy Spirit led me to recognize that he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. 
And although my chemical and hormonal changes are real and extreme by his power and strength, I could recognize those changes, pray fervently, and truly work on the battle between flesh and spirit. All of that was just my kidney disease. In addition to it, something new happened just about every year. When I was 37 and a half weeks pregnant with Amanda, I was feeling extreme pain. So we had to leave a church retreat and go to the ER. They found a 10 centimeter ovarian cyst the size of a grapefruit. And they told me that since I was far, far long enough with Amanda, that they were gonna do a C-section and remove it at the same time. We were all praying through the night. My doctor prayed with me too. And the next morning I was induced with Pitocin and my doctor said, see you at seven. However, God answered the prayers and Amanda was ready to enter the world naturally without an epidural and I didn't have a C-section and they couldn't find the ovarian cyst either. When you're pregnant, your immune system is naturally su suppressed so that you don't reject the baby. So I was on my lowest dose of prednisone for the first time. But my doctor said that delivering a baby is too much on my kidneys and that they would have to work four times as hard so I shouldn't have any more children. It was hard to hear this, but I'm so grateful that the news was given after God completed our family with Amanda. One day, when I had to keep my feet elevated, God used it to teach me a lesson to look around and be grateful. My wonderful husband was busy planning a church. We weren't sent out by a host church, so Tim was working three jobs to support our family. Andrew was one, a, one and a half, and it was the first time I couldn't play with him. And he said, Mommy hurt. I couldn't play with him. I saw the dishes, and I couldn't stand for long. And then I would watch Tim come home and help with Andrew and whatever needed to be done, and he never complained. He is no different than he is now. His act of selfless service impacted me so much to be grateful and to remember. Hearing Andrew ask if I was hurt and watching Tim in that moment changed my perspective, and I would cherish every moment I was given and remember to be grateful when I could move and try not to complain. I started to see and hear the lessons God had for me. I wanted to be teachable, and I was willing to learn and change for him. God was patient with me and waited until I learned what he wanted me to learn. Several years passed with relapses, and I still wasn't healed but I got another ovarian cyst. This time it was the size of a baseball and I did have to get it surgically removed. I remember recovering and a lady next to me was screaming and crying in pain. I didn't know her story, but I prayed for her and I wondered how anyone could go through anything without God. Then Facebook entered the world and Tim shared about my health and many people learned more about what I was going through. A page called Pray for Joanne Parks Healing even began. Health after health issue, it really seemed like nothing was going to get me off of the medicine. I was introduced to so many prescriptions and nothing was working. So over the course of years, different brothers and sisters wanted to share the success they had with alternative medicine in their battles with health issues. Some were even willing to help me financially to get treatments outside of my insurance. But in my case, since I was dependent on prednisone, I tried these treatments alongside mine. At one point, I saw a holistic doctor who helped my friend get pregnant with a change of diet. I couldn't have dairy, wheat, fruit, I couldn't eat after seven, and I could only have 60 grams of carbs a day. It seemed to work as I lost nine pounds the first week and 25 pounds in six months. And my prednisone was coming down, but in one week I relapsed and I gained 10 pounds. After I relapsed, I reflected and remember thinking that had it gone well, would I have given all the credit to this doctor? So I continued with my normal treatments with prednisone, but I kept relapsing. And a couple years later, I was referred to um, 
a chiropractor that helped my friend's daughter with severe allergies. But with that treatment too, I relapsed and was back on my medicines alone. A couple years later, another person referred me to a Christian acupuncturist, and it seemed to be going well, um, but then I relapsed again. I was not healed, but I was very encouraged by the sincere hearts of these brothers and sisters that desired to see me healed. But from there on out, I committed to waiting on the Lord, and I knew then that I would clearly be able to give Him alone all the credit and glory. I would need to entrust the doctors I was given for my care and pray that God would give them wisdom as they cared for me. So the cycle continued. Nothing could take me off of prednisone, and I tried everything. I took chemotherapy pills. I took medications that worked for other conditions. And my body would let us know immediately with hives or a relapse if it was going to work or not. Then a couple of years passed and I got aseptic meningitis and the vertigo was so severe, I would crawl to the bathroom only to be knocked down and not able to make it there. As health issues continued, I was discouraged because I didn't know what's, what God's timing was and I was always hoping that this time would be the last time, but it wasn't. God's timing is not our timing. And yet I still wondered when I was going to be healed. I remember when it was year seven, and I knew that seven was significant in the Bible, and so I thought that maybe it would happen in year seven, but then seven years passed, and I thought maybe 10. Then I wondered the same for year 12 and year 14. A decade later, and still nothing. Instead, I had a bone spur on my left foot because prednisone weakened my bones, and now I was in the early stages of osteoporosis. And I had to take supplements for that and also anemia for iron deficiency. I even flipped a disc that pinched my nerves. And a year later, my body started to abort a fibroid. I was at an appointment and my doctor told me to go directly to the ER for surgery. I called Tim and asked him to pick up the kids from school, and I drove myself to surgery. My body started relapsing so quickly that they weren't able to remove my wedding rings fast enough, and they had to cut them off. Despite all that was happening, I still believed that I would be healed. And God always brought glimmers of hope in the waiting and when I was discouraged. When we were planning our church, our children's director told me that when her brother was five years old, he had what sounded like the same kidney disease, and he too was on prednisone. It gave him a moon face, his body was swollen, and it was too hard on his body. So hard that his parents decided to fast and pray and to take him off of prednisone completely. They fasted and prayed through the night and her brother kept going to the bathroom. And when he woke up, he no longer had a kidney, kidney disease. As a result of the miracle, his parents went into the ministry because they had to share what God had done. And when that little boy grew up, he became a doctor. Our children's director said she believed God brought her to our church just to meet me, to tell me the story of her brother. So years continue to pass, and I'm still not able to go below 20 milligrams. So we try a medicine called cyclosporine to go alongside the prednisone. For the first time, an additional medication is able to get me below 10 milligrams. And if you could be happy about a possible side effect, I was hoping I would get this one because it said weight loss. And my weight was coming down along with the dose, but there was also a new side effect. It gave you facial hair. It got so bad that I used to joke that I would rather be heavy and hairless than a skinny werewolf. So I stopped taking cyclosporine, but as it was the only prescription to bring me down on prednisone, we adjusted the dose and frequency and started again. I was supposed to be on it for two years and ended up being on it for nine. I joke, but it wasn't easy, and when I was talking to my friend and asking her for prayers, struggling with the facial hair, 
She said, why don't you keep a razor in your purse for your five o'clock shadow? With a whole bunch of other advice like not coveting prayers, and all the while the tears were streaming down my face. I also was told that I should give up and accept my disease. But what is life without hope? I once read that no one is hopeless whose hope is in God and in his word. I did accept that I had a disease, but I also had hope and faith, which is not seen, that I would be healed. And again, I was bitter and hurt for years, but have spoken with her since and have forgiven her. I was often told that my story reminded people of the life of Job. The part I could relate to was the criticism and advice he got from friends that was more hurtful than helpful. But through this, he has given me a greater sensitivity of what not to say and what not to be like. And as I have died to myself and represent Christ, I hope that the words that come out of my mouth are encouraging and edifying and that he would be pleased. God placed many people along my path that I would be praying for. I just didn't know who was next. I saw my kidney doctor every three to four weeks for about eight years, and I was checked in by the same nurse every time. I was convicted to share with my nurse about the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but I couldn't seem to find the right moments to witness to him. I saw his pictures, and he told me that he and his partner were going to adopt three teens as we were getting to know each other. I told myself that at the next visit, I was going to have the courage and speak, but I chickened out. I said I will do it for sure the next time. I even asked my small group to pray with me to have the courage to do it. But to my surprise, when I got to the appointment, he was no longer there. A different nurse checked me in and told me that my nurse moved to a different office. I felt so bad, I missed the opportunity. It was weighing heavily on my mind as I waited for my doctor. After my doctor came in and told me I was relapsing again, he said, every time I tell you bad news, you seem to take it in stride. You don't get upset, and you tell me you're praying and others are praying for you. Well, I have prostate cancer, and I was wondering if you and whoever prays with you could pray for me. I said, of course, and at the same time, I was shocked. The whole time, I thought I was trying to witness to the nurse, but God was using that time to witness to my doctor. Slowly, the appointments were more about seeing how he was doing. And at that moment, I thought, maybe this journey isn't even about me, but it's about who I'm going to meet along the way. He was going to use my disease as a medical mission for his purpose to get me to see people I wouldn't normally cross paths with. At about year 11, Tim became the associate pastor of Family Ministries. And that's when we became a part of the E-Free Church family. And because of this wonderful new chapter, we had to change our insurance and find a new kidney doctor. I did a lot of research, and the doctor I wanted was booked out for months. So they told me that they had a new young doctor, and I would love her. She wasn't the doctor I wanted, but she was very thorough. She took over an hour worth, um, she took notes about my health history for over an hour. But I had my disease longer than she had been a doctor in residency and medical school combined. We attempted to get me off prednisone, and she was very excited to um, introduce me to a new drug that produces natural steroid hormones. It was one that a sister at church helped me to get approved and that it would have come at $40,000 was going to come at cost. So I definitely thought this was an answered prayer. However, as anyone who knows anything about prednisone knows, it has to be tapered off. But my doctor took me off cold turkey and my body immediately went into adrenal shock. It was the Saturday of Mother's Day weekend, 2012, and I wasn't feeling good, so I sent my family off to celebrate with Tim's side. It got so bad I needed to go to the hospital right away, and there was no way that Tim and the kids were going to make it back through traffic in time. So 
our neighbor drove me to the hospital, and I was there for eight days. If you look at the screen, um, the picture to the right, I had gained 30 pounds. That's me losing 17 pounds of water. And on the left, um, I was so swollen, they couldn't find the veins in my arm. I had adrenal shock, and my numbers were supposed to be between 21 and 161, but they were at 13,000, then 30,000, then incalculable. I'll never forget that they used the word incalculable. And while that was happening, they told me that I had a fibroid, kidney stones, and gallstones. I literally said, what else? Because at that point, nothing fazed me. And I was still certain and not afraid that I was going to die from this. I knew I was going to die one day, but not because of this disease. I eventually had my gallbladder removed, and with the recurring problems with fibroids and cysts, I had a hysterectomy. There w this was probably one of the most testing parts of the journey. And for some reason, the hospital was packed. All the beds were filled. As I was in my room, a new patient was being rolled into the room. She was an elderly lady who had a, back, a body brace and only had movement of her arms and legs. And she was on her back. And I could tell that she was wearing on her nurses. But what caused me concern was when she started coughing, and it was very phlegmatic. So I called the nurse with the bed sheets over my head I covered the phone and I whispered, I need to get out of this room. I have a weakened immune system and I don't want to relapse. It's not safe for me. I need to get to another room. But they told me that they were sorry because all the rooms on every floor were filled. All I could think about was how to get out of the room. I continued to call and check as I had a lot of time on my hands. And as soon as I hung up, the little old lady said, oh honey, it's okay, it's just a little cough. But a few moments later, the nurses came in and told her she had bronchitis. And that's when the fear really kicked into high gear for me. I went to sleep with pillows lining the right side of my bed, and I covered myself with blankets. I called a sister, and I asked people to pray for me to get out of the room. The next morning, I woke up, and as I was ordering my breakfast, I realized that my roommate could not pick up the phone. So I shyly said, excuse me, would you like me to order your breakfast? I then read her the entire menu and continued ordering her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When she was out for an x-ray, I continued to plead with God to make a way. And the nurse that was assigned to her um, came over to my side of the room, leaned on the wall, in a very comforting voice, said, God has this. Everything will be all right. I started to loosen the grip on what I didn't have control over, and a relationship of care was developing for my roommate. That night, I asked her if she knew Jesus, and she asked, could you pray for me? And as I led us in prayer, she accepted Christ into her life. The next morning, I was reading the Bible, and I read John 14, 2, where he says, My Father's house has many rooms. That's when I realized that I was worrying so much about a room here on earth. What was I so worried about? God has a place for me in heaven. I finally let go, and about an hour later, a room opened up. It was a huge private room private single room on a different floor, and I was moved right away. As I left, the little old lady said, you're the best thing that's happened to me in a long time. It was a privilege to pray with my roommate, who was once a stranger, and witness her putting her life and trust in God. And I realized once again that it was more than all the pain, hurt, and suffering. It was about what was happening along the way. Um, I might have missed some of the great listen, lessons when I was distracted by the issue, asking God to do something, and losing sight of who he is and what he is doing. Had I not been in an adrenal shock, I might not have prayed with this little old lady. And again, it was a medical mission. 
And now we're at year 14, and I finally stopped trying to guess when God will heal me. Will heal me. I was content with my disease because I trusted God, and I wouldn't trade one difficulty, hardship, struggle, or pain for the lessons learned and the closeness and dependency I have in Him. If there's any good in pain, and if it causes us to stretch out our hands and cling to Him, God can and will use our afflictions. But the trials didn't end there. There was a scare that I had blood cancer, and I saw a hematologist. Praise God it wasn't. And in year 16, I started getting migraines. I remember driving, and I didn't see the yellow lines that um, divided the opposing traffic. It just kept disappearing. I was sensitive to light and sound, and the pressure would start in my eyes, and I would get the aura or halo effect, and then I would vomit for the next 24 hours. There was a point where I felt like God was giving me everything he possibly could give me to experience what others would be facing or had faced. In the 16th year of my kidney disease, my doctor told me there were no other options to get me off of prednisone. We tried every medication, and he told me we could revisit some treatments even though I had bad reactions to them, but that it wasn't good for me to be on prednisone and cyclosporine any longer. So this last attempt was with four rounds of IV infusion chemotherapy. It wasn't so bad, but it was the aftermath of hives or the chemo rash that was an incessant, unrelenting, uncontrollable itch. If you look at the screen, um, it was on every part of my body, even my scalp. The only thing I could be grateful for in that time, because it was torture for me, was that my face was spared. After five months of the unbearable itching, I cry cried out to the Lord, and I said, how much more can I endure? I truly cannot bear this anymore. And finally, I felt him cover me with the words that it is done. I didn't have to endure anymore. Many months passed, and my prednisone kept on coming down. I was weaned off the cyclosporine, and there were no no signs of relapse. I was able to go below 10 milligrams of prednisone, and we were slowly coming down one milligram each month until it was zero. On March 1st, 2019, as I was driving to my kidney appointment, I just started bawling out loud. I knew it was over. I went to my doctor, and I was at zero milligrams of prednisone for the first time, and I knew it was going to be the last, and I was healed. My doctor told me that I might have a lifetime of regular chemo treatments. I, to I told my doctor God healed me and thanked him for all his care. In my follow-up appointment, he said everything looks perfect. My kidneys were functioning, and there were no signs of relapse. Everything was normal as if I never had a kidney disease. I again said God healed me. He didn't say anything and continued to take notes, but he witnessed it all, and it's in my records. That was my final visit with my kidney doctor, and since March 2019, I haven't been on a single dose of prednisone for now two years and six months. <laughs> there is no medical explanation. It was always Jesus, and it was always with him. Jesus healed me. It was 18 years, and it was over. It was a long 18-year journey of hope, faith in our God, prayers, perseverance, and endurance to trust and testify of his goodness. He heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, and I will call on him as long as I live. On, this popped up as a memory, but on September 19th, 2012, I posted this on Facebook. And I said at, at one point, as in the past, I am hoping that this time will be the last, that I will finally be able to come all the way down to zero and be medicine-free. I hope that my health will one day be fully restored and that God alone will receive all the glory. It has been a long journey, and some may wonder why I continue to have this hope. But I am holding on to God, and so I can and will, sorry, I skipped a line. I've learned in life that people usually find it easier to quit than to hold on and persevere. 
but I am holding on to God, and so I can and will persevere. I want to be known for my endurance, not because of anything that I'm doing, but because I belong to the God of great hope. He placed this hope in my heart the very day that I was diagnosed. So please continue to join me in praying that I will one day be healed. And when that day comes, if it is in his will, I hope that it will give you hope with whatever you are going through to press on and endure. And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ already, I truly care for you and hope you will give your life to him. When I read that, I didn't know it was going to be on the day of baptism. As I took a moment to pause and reflect, I am grateful because I remember where I was for 18 years, and I am so thankful to be where I am today. I am thankful for the time he gave me to utterly depend on him. I thank God for all the love and care and prayers he surrounded me and my family with. I have notes detailing every meal that was brought or gifted, every visitor I had at the hospital and at home, every call, prayer, flower, card, ride, and act of kindness. I am filled with so much love and gratitude, and I thank so many of you here today. I am so blessed because of his wonderful love. He has shown me his greatness in every obstacle that's been overcome, and he has shown me his love through wonderful people in my life. I'm thankful for the daily prayers of my parents and my in-laws. I'm thankful for Tim, Andrew, and Amanda, who experienced every part of this journey with me with so much love and support. And may God receive all the glory and praise for a huge miracle that only he could perform. Thank you. Thank you, honey, for sharing uh, the story that God has written. And uh, this is hopefully a reminder that God has written a story in all of our lives. And uh, my encouragement is that we have the opportunity to hear one another's stories. And so maybe this week you might be given an opportunity to ask somebody, can you share your story? I'd love to hear your story. And I'm sure that that would open up doors for encouragement and inspiration. So thank you again, honey. And, and I remember, I remember all the meals and all the cards and all the errands and all the, the gifts that were uh, uh, brought to us. And we were just so blessed. Uh, we're blessed by this incredible uh, church family. What a, what a loving family that we have here at E-Free Church.